Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu Greenwood, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom King. Hello. And only Tom King this week, because Chris has left us. Tom and Stu episode, everybody. It's a Tom and Stu episode. Chris is away in Colombia. So uh, to all our Colombian fans, if you see him, um, say hello. (laughs) If you know that you've seen him. (laughs) Yeah. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well that's that's the beauty of podcasting um yeah we we are here today to talk about the australian grand prix it's the preview episode for the first race of the season and um i don't know about you tom but i am very excited yep it felt good earlier today being able to say it's race week for the first time yeah. this year that was it a good it feeling is race week that's very I'm, I'm i'm so hyped i'm really really hyped for this it's a long it's been a long old winter um testing's thrown up a load of surprises a load of uh, a a few surprises i'd say a a lot of close times um and a lot of doubt like it's not really clear what the running order is i don't think from testing is it really no and to be honest i kind of touched on it last time out but i don't think we'll really see anyone's true base until saturday i think that you know, the Ferraris and the Mercedes will, will keep their cards as close to the chest as possible during free practice on Friday and Saturday morning. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well that that's when uh that's when the big book guns are gonna be coming out. Yeah. Um Q one. That's when uh, it's time to put your your uh, money on the table. Yeah. Um but first, before we get into all the uh, all the news about well, but what what news we have about Australia in this week, we're gonna talk about Formula E. Um, this weekend it was the race in Hong Kong. Um, how which one? How many times have been to? What are we in season five now? Formula E, aren't we? I believe it's the third time they've been there now. Ah, the third time, right? Okay, cool. Well, we had a um, wet qualifying. Um, for the, I think for the first time, I've not really seen any wet sessions. I've definitely not seen a wet race in Formula E before, so I was quite surprised to see a wet qualifying. Um, and they say water and electricity don't mix, but um, they mixed well enough for Stoffel van Dorn, who ended up on pole in a HWA. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty pretty surprised by that when I saw that. I, um, obviously it was wet, and he, he was the, he was apparently the last car to run, so it, it would have been a drying track. Um, and that's how he's done it. But um, it's good to see H2A sort of moving forwards and, and getting some positions. that He did fall down the order quite badly in the race. He was classified in 16th place. Um, so, But he still got his three points for, for pole position. So I think that'd be H2A's first points of the season. Ooh, put They've me on the spot great there. Season, have it they? could be, yeah. <laughs> could be. Uh, yeah, so that was that. Um, the race itself was yet another showstopper. Absolutely brilliant. Close racing. The cameras were fixed on the race at the front because once uh, once we got underway, um, Bird found his way to the front of the pack and was closely followed by Andre Lotterer um, until Bird made a mistake and allowed, uh, allowed Andre Lotterer through. Um, 
And then what happened was they just dueled for the entire remainder of the race. And Sam was you know, right on his gearbox for the whole race. Um, we had another safety car period. We had a period where Andre was burning way more um, power than Sam was. So you'd have, uh, there was like a 4% differential between how much power they both had, which is quite unusual for Formula E. Normally they sort of run down, you don't really get more than 2% between two cars. But for some reason, Lotterer was burning up his power. Um, then it got to like the final, the second from last lap, I think. And Bird sort of went to make his move. Andre kind of moved over to one side a little bit, only a tiny bit. And um, Sam Bird went into the back of him and gave him a puncture and took the lead of the race, got the, got on the podium, won the race, was classified as the winner. And then a few hours later was stripped of the win because of the uh, because of the collision. He was given a five-second penalty for causing a collision, which is the rules. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Did you see it, Tom? I did. Um, I think it's it's a tough decision. He does he does give him a bit of a nudge towards the walls and ultimately causes the damage that slowed up Lotterer. Um, and I can't help but notice that through the race he was similarly aggressive with a number of other drivers. Um, Ollie Rowland included when he was trying to overtake Ollie Rowland. So, yeah, maybe it was just uh, that was one too many because obviously we don't know if he'd maybe been warned about it. There's a little bit of team radio with the the team coming over to Sam and saying, look, just be careful here, mate. Like, but that could just be it's closing laps. Don't do anything silly and you know run yourself out of the race completely. So it's hard mm. to know for definite, really. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I watched it back a couple of times, and I felt like uh, Andre had moved over slightly, just ever so slightly to the right mm-hmm. to try and block him. I feel like he'd he'd sort of realised that he'd like, he was about to lose the position, and he and he made a slight adjustment, and then went back on his other adjustment. But at that point, Sam was kind of like a li- the track was damp, so yeah. for I- me, I feel like it's a racing incident myself. I wouldn't have seen any problem with it ending up as a racing incident. I can see why they've penalised him, but it's, you know, I think I'm looking at it sort of more bigger picture for the whole race um, rather yeah, than just I a single he, incident. It, it, it gave him a couple of nudges. There was a couple, but again, it, it was a damp track the whole time. Yeah. So they were good. They were always good. They, and they were both making mistakes. They were both spinning up wheels. They were both locking wheels under braking. Like it's just, that's just hard racing. And in Formula E, they do make a lot of contact with each other. You know, they're wide, wide cars. Yeah. And these are super tight street circuits a lot of the time. There's going to be contact. We can't just be giving, there, were, there was contact up and down the field. Um, collisions up and down the field the whole way through the race and none of those guys were given penalties but I feel like because this one had such an impact on the result maybe they felt like they needed to step in yeah I think that is probably another factor in it you might have hit the nail on the head there is the fact that it is something for the lead isn't it it's a it is a significant um piece of contact that's led to the change of the lead so yeah. That's potentially a factor in it as well, rather than it being a little bit of 
bumping and nudging like midway through the pack or something like that. And mm. on on the on what was I think it was the final lap within time, wasn't it? So there was the yeah. you do the set time plus one lap. And I believe yeah. it was the final lap within time, and then the next lap yeah. was due to be the last one. So it was a significant pass at a significant point in the race. So maybe mm. that heightens how strict they are with those kind of things. In the same way that turn one, lap one, gets a little bit of a, a leeway added to it in things like this. Maybe final turn, final lap <laughs> gets a little yeah. bit of a stricter look at it, I guess. Yeah, I guess where they've been dueling the whole race as well, like it's hard yeah. to it, the pressure's on. I think it's a it's a real shame for Sam Bird because like he was he was in for eighteen points from that race, even if they'd finished as they were. Yeah, and he's now only got well, he's got nine points from that. So he, he's still in the lead of the championship, but that's not done his championship bid any favors. I feel no. like Sam kind of needs all the points he can get for this championship. Even though he has got, he's obviously got a great car. It was the fastest car. It was easily the fastest car um, in Hong Kong on Saturday. And yeah, unfortunately for him, he's just. I think he's. I think he's been a bit unlucky there. Um, Lotter and um, his team, uh, Tachita, they were appealing for a worse penalty, a, <laughs> yeah, a bigger penalty for him. Um, which they did review for quite some time, but they eventually deemed it to be a harsh enough penalty. And I think, to be honest, I think it's more than harsh enough. Like f- five second penalties, it's dropped down from first to sixth. Um, it just shows you how close the field is as well in Formula E. Yeah, he did get, but he did get backed up when he was trying to get past him after the puncture. Like Lotro wouldn't let him through. <laughs> like he wouldn't pull up. He was desperately pushing to try and get to the end of the race. But obviously his car was just absolutely. You got you got a rear wheel drive car, and you've only got one rear wheel. You're not be going anywhere fast. <laughs> no, not at all. So, do you yeah. know the the sort of good thing that comes out of the result though? What's that? So we now in Formula E after five races have mm-hmm. five different pulsers with five different winners, all from five different teams. That is that is very cool. I like that. So, the only person that's ruining it is Andre Lotterer himself because he has fastest lap um, in the race in Saudi Arabia and also he got the fastest lap in Hong Kong. So he's the only person that's actually repeated a feat, whether it's pole, fastest lap or win this season. Mm. Um, the, the really sad thing was uh, Jerome D'Ambrosio in this race. Uh, he lost, uh, he, he didn't finish the race. Um, but he had, he was in a collision. Um, he went. I think he went into someone, and eventually the road the road got blocked. And like the two, uh, I think it was the two Mahindras just got absolutely flat. Yeah, it was Pascal Verline and um, Jerome D'Ambrosio. So the Nissan ahead of them um, went into the barriers trying to make a pass on Jerome and um, crashed. And then because they were so close. And because it took the crash took up so much space on the track, Jerome just went straight into him and lost a wheel. And uh, Verline did exactly the same thing as well. So he had two crippled yeah. Mahindras, and it caused a red flag. Um, so that puts uh, Jerome D'Ambrosio on fifty-three points with Sam Bird on fifty-four points for the championship, and Lucas Degrassi up in third with fifty-two points. Uh, in a and as a result of Mortara's now win because he got handed the victory after Bird. What, got uh, his penalty Mortara is also tied with Lucas Degrassi 
for on fifty two yeah. pints for third place. So it's shaping up to be a really really exciting it's, sort of end to the season. Yeah, we we're, we're not even halfway yet. I don't think there's, are we not? No, there's. I want to say there's thirteen races this season. But that's races. that's if you count the fact that New York has two at the end of the season. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure it's twelve locations with thirteen races, uh, oh, and yeah. that's obviously race five. So still got quite a few. Yeah, to so go halfway, here. we're back, back half, nearly we're halfway. Pro- yeah, we're getting nearly there. halfway. Yeah, whoops. I should know more about Formula E, shouldn't I? But this is a Formula One podcast, so you'll forgive me. <laughs> That's very true. So uh, we'll move on to some Formula One news now. And we've actually got breaking news for the f- on this podcast for the first <laughs> time. For once, this news has broke before we've started recording and not the day after we've recorded. And it's big news. We're going back to the 50s. It's an extra point for fastest lap in 2019. Yeah, um, all official that's been confirmed. Now. Yeah, all official confirmed. Um, how do you feel about it, Tom? How do you? What's your What's your thoughts on it? I'm indifferent about it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind that it's been added. Um, I wouldn't have been disappointed if the talk about it had ended up just being talk, and it like it doesn't particularly bother me too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm used to watching a lot of other series that do the same thing. Formula E, yeah. that we've just been speaking about, included. Yeah. They also have points Touring for fastest cars. qualifier. Touring cars. Formula 2, the series below F1, has yeah. points for fastest qualifier and fastest lap. So, yeah. But yeah, just to I'm... be clear, this is just for fastest lap in the yes. race. This isn't for fastest is. qualifier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and, it, and I believe it's only for the, it's only if you finish in the top 10 as well. Because that's yes. to stop. Um, it's that's to stop random people who are outside of the points pitting for fresh tires at the end of a race and just blasting in a really really fast lap. Which yeah. I don't really have a massive problem with anyway. Because anyone in the top ten could do that as well. But I guess there's less motivation to do that if you're going to get more than one point because it is just yeah. a single point. Um, I tell you who will be sad about this: Felipe Massa. I was going to say Fernando Alonso. He used to like to try and get a fastest lap, didn't he? When he was mm. he knew he had no chance of doing anything else. Mm. That's true. Well, Fel- the reason Felipe Massa will be sad about it is because he got more fastest laps than Hamilton in the uh, 2008 championship. So he would have actually won the championship based oh. on fastest lap points that year. Um, but at the same time, like, you would they weren't racing for fastest laps they were it wasn't a thing that you had to do so it wasn't a a a, a, a parameter that they raced to so there's nothing yeah. to say that hamilton could have got wouldn't have got more than him and wouldn't have gained points for going for fastest laps and still got more points anyway so it's kind of a moot point but interesting it's this and it is the only time in the in the modern era that is the only time when this rule would have made any difference so for all those haters we're going to go around saying, "Oh, is it, what if what if the championship hinges on on one point and someone gets a fastest lap?" I I like that. I like the idea of of you know at the final race of the season, it being down to one point and someone being with an outside chance of winning it. If if say you know say Vettel's twenty what twenty five points behind Hamilton going into the race, yeah. But um, Hamilton DNF. is outside of the points, or yeah. no, not D- he doesn't DNF. But if he DNF the previous race and there's 25 points between them, say, then Hamilton only needs to get the fastest lap and finish within the top 10 to to win the championship. I love that idea. 
like yeah. the the pressure and the excitement that that had caused like imagine the way you'd be looking at the timing screens it brings a whole new element to formula one can you imagine like being in the lead of a race as well trying to conserve a lead but thinking even if i conserve this lead i still need that fastest lap point yeah it's, yeah it's insane. that's the thing it, it just adds an all a whole new dynamic to the race like you know, people are going to want people like Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc and Ricardo Verstappen, Bottas, all those front runners. Although, well, Ricardo probably not so much a front runner now in the Renault, but we'll see. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know till qualifying. Yeah. Um, all those guys are going to want the full quota. They want, they're going to want the Grand Slam. They want fastest in every session. They want all the points. They want the fastest lap point. They want to qualify on pole. It's it just it's just adding more and more and more sort of coolness and competition to the sport, and I think that's a really really good thing. Yeah, I like, like I say, I, I wouldn't have been upset about it if they'd have decided against it, but I'm just so used to seeing it in other things that I think people will kind of forget that we didn't have it after not too long. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. You know like after a season or two of doing it, people will kind of forget that we had this huge span of time where it wasn't a thing yeah in a in half a season's time people are going to love it people the loads of people will hate it this is what happens in formula one lots of people hate the change you've got a subset of fans who will hate that there's a change and you've got everybody else who is open to the idea of changing and all the ones that hate it in six months' time will be like, oh, actually, you know what? I really like this. It was like the Halo. Everyone kicked off about the Halo, and now, look, no one even talks about it anymore. Do you know another prime example from recent news is the um, the remix of the tune? The what? The remix of the theme tune thing, the Chemical oh, Brothers that's thing. Oh, the, the Chemical Brothers thing, yeah. Where okay. <laughs> everyone's like, no, do not take away our new theme song. And yeah. Like, I remember when people were like, this is not a Formula One song. Yeah. The funny thing about that is no one's taking the theme, like, don't worry, folks, the theme tune's staying. Like, yeah. They're keeping the normal theme tune. This is a separate thing. This is just a Chemical Brothers and Formula One mashup. It's for... The actual place where the song is going to be used is in the promos in between the races. So all the social videos and stuff like that you see on on Facebook and and um, in other places where Formula One posts them, that song is going to be like the the promo for each race in between each race. Like they did yeah. the same thing last year, and it was a really it was really cool. I think it was a different Chemical Brothers tune that they used last year for it. Um, but they were really cool promos. So. Um, yeah, that's that's the place where this song lives. It's not at the start of every race. Um, I'm sure you'll see the song like around Formula One because obviously it's 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 a part of it and they it's a big deal for them and they've put a lot of effort into making it what it is. But it's not taking the place of the theme tune. The theme tune's here to stay. When you, if you knew how much money they spent on that theme tune, <laughs> yeah. That's not. It's not going to be around for just a year. That's going to be around for a little while yet. Um, yeah. So you've got a bit of news, Tom, about Jean Todd. Ah, uh, yeah. It was just something I was kind of skimming over before we started recording. Um, it basically he's suggesting that uh, between him and FOM, they're interested in trying to expand the grid again. So mm. looking at moving from the ten teams that we have now trying to get the grid back to 24 cars and 12 teams 
Um, but it sounds like the majority of the teams are a little resistant to that. I imagine yeah, because it would affect be. prize money. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's going to have to be divided by more. But I guess the other flip side of it is it potentially brings more money into the sport, which makes the prize pool bigger in the first place. Yeah. So I guess they have to be like the good thing now, like the good thing. I haven't read this thing that you sent, but like the good thing, I suppose, now about the championship is that we have got we've got 10 sort of good teams, really. We've got 10 or we've got 10, 10 very valuable teams. Um, not necessarily, not all as good as each other. Obviously, Williams are going through a bit of a, a bit of a struggle at the moment. Yeah, and then probably not going to be as quick as the other teams. But still, they they bring value to the sport. They they have a heritage. They they have a lot of fans, and people like Williams. Whereas, I think when you look back at sort of in years gone by, when we've had um, other teams that have maybe been at the back of the grid and they've sort of been around for a few years and then disappeared. I'm 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 looking at you. Um, Hispania racing um <laughs> those i don't see like what they really brought to the sport over them being moving chicanes I'd, yeah. if, if we if we're going to get two more they have to be like you know they have to be like on a harsh level like they have to be that good that i I'd, I'd agree with that um i'd hope that sort of fom and jean todd and whoever else is involved in kind of accepting the teams in would do their due diligence on working out if this is going to be a viable team. So we do get another Haas and not another HRT, as yeah. your two comparisons were. But yeah. it, it sounds like um, they're working with like Chase Carey and the like to to progress it. But mm. just obviously, I can understand why, especially the teams lower down the grid, are probably going to be the most resistant because... They're the ones that already live sort of race to race and sponsorship paycheck to sponsorship mm-hmm. paycheck because they're on the tightest budgets in the first place. So somebody coming in that could leapfrog them and push them further down the order yeah. or um, you know, eat into that winnings that they get at the end of the season is is more threatening to them than it is to a Ferrari, Mercedes, Renault that's a manufacturer team. So mm-hmm. but then again, the big teams might still say no as well anyway. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think like the thing the thing for me is that like they haven't none of the teams have signed a concord the concord agreement for 2020 2021 yet. Yeah. So that's a factor as well. Like the, the, there's a lot of so in within formula 1 there's a lot of like angling and like behind the scenes behind closed doors there's a lot of posturing and and politics yeah. going on because Liberty do not want to be dishing out money to like extra money to the likes of Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes for you know the, the McLaren for these like heritage payments and stuff that they have, they're trying to level the playing field. They want it to be they 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 quite publicly have said we want a situation where Leicester City can win the Premiership in Formula One. That's how yeah. they compare it. So like for for our international listeners outside of the UK, Leicester City are a sort of mid-table football or soccer team. And a couple of years ago, they won the Premier League totally unexpectedly. And it's even in that sport, I, that's like a super rare thing to happen. And it is, it's like a proper, you know, crazy moment when it does. But I guess their analysis is that that's not at all possible for a midfield team to even have a chance in hell of doing that. And that's what they need to get rid of because the development goes on all through the season and 
the ones with less less money, the teams with less money, can't simply can't afford to put the the budget in to keep their car getting keep making their car faster, as quick as what the really 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 financially powerful teams can. And as soon as you take that financial power out of the mix, then I guess you have got like a much more level playing field, then haven't you? Everyone's working with the same size stick. Yeah, it's it probably would make a difference. Obviously, those teams that receive those kind of payments aren't going to be happy about it. But um, no. yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see the money spread better. We've talked about it so many times before. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's my uh, favorite favorite problem with. It's my biggest problem with Formula One is the the way they distribute the cash. Yeah, and like a team like a Force India or somebody like that that does really well on a very limited budget. I'd be so interested to see what kind of fight they could take to the bigger teams if they had anywhere near the capacity financially that they do. Mm. It'd be so interesting to see. It's the other interesting thing is they're making like really big efforts to like standardize like random components that like the fans don't see. So I read a thing the other day where Ross Brown was saying that um he wants to like standardize things like the fire extinguisher in the car because right now every team like manufactures their own fire extinguisher for yeah. a car and the rich teams can afford to put research into manufacturing that light that that uh, that fire extinguisher to be much much lighter than a, a regular fire extinguisher whereas the less expensive the, the less rich teams don't have the finances to to research that they've got to put their money into into other things that are going to bring them more lap time and other kinds of developments on the car so to take to is trying to pull pull the order together by getting rid of the things that no one really cares about who cares who's got the lightest fire extinguisher like i don't do you care <laughs> i don't but toto wolf does <laughs> toto do, yeah the people of course the people inside the teams like well that again like at the same time i suppose like i'm arguing against myself now but like part of the magic of formula 1 is that drive to make the most efficient most best thing that they can and if that involves making a fire extinguisher lighter than everyone else then that's it's part of formula one and it's part of the fight isn't it yeah i think i think things like that are a a bit of a gray area like for example as long as they're not compromising the validity and the safety of that element like and you know what they build could then have a safety impact because they've try to save weight and so on. Mm. As long as they're not pushing it to that limit, I don't have too much of a problem with them not being standardised parts, as long as they may be given a list of certain criteria it's got to meet, like, you know, the capacity of it and and the way it deploys and, you know, things like that. Well, I think, yeah, I think they do have that. I think that's a thing. I think the more the point is, like, one team's got loads of money to put into making theirs lighter than the other team. And you don't, and you just don't see it as a fan. It's, like, hidden away inside the car. It's the same as this um, gearbox cassette thing. Like, everyone's going to have the same container for the big gearbox on the outside, but they're still going to be allowed to have their own actual gears and and mechanical workings of the gearbox. But, like, the fastenings and the um, the the attachments to the car are going to be such that, in theory, you could take, not necessarily connect it to the engine, but you could take one gearbox out of one any car and drop it into the same slots on any yeah. other car. And it just takes a financial cost out of 
out of producing that element for all the teams. And it's a component that no one ever sees. To be honest, I don't care what size gearbox cassette they've got. As long as they're allowed to differentiate themselves by producing actual, you know, the actual gearbox that resides within that, that's fine. But but then at the same time, I, I struggle to see how that actually like saves money if they're still producing their own that surely the vast amount of the research and the money goes into making it surely it's just going to be like who can make the lightest internals to a gearbox then that's what it would become wouldn't it yeah it would and i guess the other thing is certain teams sell their gearboxes don't they in the same way they sell the engine units so it's there's there's that side of it maybe if it's a little more standardized a team further down the grid has got more potential to focus on that because they haven't got the resource to focus on a whole gearbox and and building the best gearbox possible. And it's more economical for them to go buy a gearbox from Ferrari or Mercedes as part of an Mm. engine package. Whereas if certain things are standardized, but the internals are still like within their control, maybe potentially then the money that they would have spent buying a gearbox from a Ferrari or a Mercedes is suddenly available to develop those internals that are still developable by the team, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I can yeah. I can see how that would allow like a, I keep saying Force India and I've caught myself this time. That would allow like a <sighs> racing point or a Haas or somebody like that to potentially do a little bit of development work of their own on a gearbox rather than buying one. Yeah, but I think the the reason they don't do their own gearboxes is just because it is so ridiculously expensive. Even if you were yeah. doing just the internals, like it's so crazily complicated and cr- you need like proper proper specialists for those. they're like Swiss watches those gearboxes. Like yeah, that is true. You know, like so even Mercedes for a while. I don't know what they're doing now, but like Mercedes were buying gearboxes from X Track. I know that Mercedes bought them from those guys because yeah. I know someone who works there. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, it's for me. I don't. I don't really care what gearbox is in the back of it. Uh, a lot, and I think a lot of fans like that are more interested in seeing the drivers. And who, for a lot of fans, for a lot, for a lot of casual fans anyway, which is what Liberty are really, really ultimately. That's who they're aiming at because they're trying to bring new people into the sport. A lot yeah. of people, unless you've been a fan of a lot of Formula One fans who are like hardcore fans. They're in it for the teams. They care about the teams, and they and the, and they care about the drivers as well. But like, they see it in a different way. I think to like a casual fan who looks at it as more of a gladiatorial sport and more of a, a man versus man kind of sport rather than a team sport. Yeah. So, what they're trying to do really is pull all the cars a little bit. Like underneath all this, they're trying to pull all the cars close enough together such that the human inside of it does make more of a difference. And I think that's a good thing. Like there's, there's, I bang on to people about the human side of formula one and how, you know, how emotional it is for the drivers and the pressures of being a formula one driver and the pressures on the teams as well. There's so many stories within formula one that sometimes the fact that there is such a gap between the cars, I think can take away from that. Yeah. And it, it breeds those sort of, um, kind of support rivalries where if someone's for example a Hamilton fan and somebody else is a Vettel fan and somebody says oh I think Hamilton's the best driver on the grid 
somebody from that other side at, at some point in that conversation usually yeah. ends up saying, oh, but he's had the best car for this many years and he's always been in the best car yeah. at the time and that's why he's won his world championships. And no one really acknowledges the the skill of their opposition in terms of a driver support. Like Everyone thinks their driver that they support is the best one, but a lot don't acknowledge how good the other one is because they put it down to machinery and it's, yeah. it'd be nice for people to actually acknowledge or, or even be able to tell who is a, a more talented driver than the others and, and um, have a little bit more of a level playing field so that kind of skill becomes more obvious. Yeah, I agree. And I think then, to the trained eye, it is obvious. Like you, you, you can tell a good driver from, well, an let's say an excellent driver from a good driver because none of them are particularly bad drivers, are they? They're in F1. Mm. So like let's say like the, the top of the top, when you're watching the sport constantly like we are, it's a lot easier to spot that difference. Yeah. But for the more casual fan that does look at, oh, I like Sebastian Vettel, but Lewis always beats him because he's in a Mercedes and then vice versa, that as a casual fan, I can see that that's a lot harder to decipher. Is it the machine or is it the driver? Mm. Yeah. I'm with, I'm with you there. Yeah. Um. The, the other thing, like, as well, I had a really good thought then, and I was so intently listening to you that it's popped out of my head. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 don't apologize. It's just great content. Um, <laughs> yeah, what was it? Do you know what I could do to help you? Maybe it will help. Maybe it'll just hinder you even more. But what? talking about the fact that the stories of the teams are pretty important and it's not just about drivers sometimes. Have you been watching the Netflix documentaries? I have been watching the Netflix, and that was my next thing to talk about. Thank there you, you go, very, I helped. Th- thanks for the segue, Chris. Uh, Tom. Um, oh my Chris. goodness, that was that was a bit naughty. Um, yeah, so um, there's a documentary on Netflix at the moment called F1 Drive to Survive, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that now. Um, Tom's watched a few episodes. I think you've watched what up to about third episode, was it, you said? I've started the third one now yeah, yeah and, and i'm on about the fourth episode so i'll try not to ruin any of it for you anyone who's listening actually i don't i'm not gonna we'll try not to we'll keep it very broad and not put any spoilers in it so you don't have to stop yeah. listening um yeah i really like it um as someone who watched every race last season and is involved with formula one and knows a lot about it like even for me i find it I want to know what happens next. <laughs> Weirdly, like uh, yeah. the, the narrative's so strong that you're like, Netflix are really, really good at making episodes of television or, or, or shows where the hook at the end makes you want to watch the next one straight away. And they've yeah. done that quite a bit with this, <laughs> I think. What? But it, it catches me every time. Like I can binge for hours on on stuff like this. What I like about it up to this point is that although the series starts with the trip to Australia, it then starts deviating and it will go into stories that aren't necessarily in chronological order of the season, which I think helps keep you... As a fan that knows the calendar inside out and what happened to each race, like you say, from from watching it, that actually makes it more engaging to me because, like you say, there's that hook at the end, but... 
it's not just an obvious, oh, well, they were Australia, so the next episode is probably going to be about Bahrain or China or, you know, one of the races that comes soon after that. Yeah, it's, they're it, very fast and loose, aren't they, with the chronological? Yeah, um, but I do like that so far from what I've seen, at least, um, they're picking up on most of the teams and giving each of the teams their own little spotlight to a degree, um, yeah. singling out sort of drivers that... and. It segues from one piece within an episode to another to another quite well. Um, like the story of um, it being the Australian Grand Prix leading into a story about it, Daniel Ricciardo, Daniel Ricciardo leading yeah, into yeah. the race itself, leading into Haas without like going into detail about the episode. The structure of that first episode works and flows really well, as yeah, does the others that I've seen. But what what it does really well is it brings real human narrative into a very machine led sport. You know, yeah. Um, so, like, obviously, a thing with Formula One is you don't often on the track you don't really see the drivers. You see the cars going around. You see the helmets and the cars going around. Um, and this kind of like sheds light on like the real rivalries and the and the complexities of being within a Formula One team or being a Formula One driver. So there's one episode where um, it's all about and and you guys who are who are listening, you'll all, you'll know all about like the 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 tensions between Red Bull and Renault over the over the last sort of couple of years, um, and it really goes into that in one particular episode, which is really really interesting and insightful. Yeah. Um, the the Danny Ricardo thing, the, the his rivalry with his teammate, and um, his sort of you even touch on Danny Ricardo's home life as well in parts of it, like and, and just yeah. the 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 pressures of being a Formula One driver, um, yeah, it's it's just super super insightful, and like you see that these guys are actually they're just people, man, like they're just like us. The only difference yeah. is they're like super 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 good drivers. And obviously they've worked really, really, really hard to get where they are um, for the most part. So, yeah, that's the thing I like about it. I like that kind of like human aspect of it and the fact that you do see a side to Formula One that I don't think has ever really been properly revealed anymore. So, so far, I'm I'm, I'm only four in, but so far I'm really, really enjoying it for that reason. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree like that it's that, there's definitely a human element to it, like you say. It's, it's a very key part of it, and I, I assume that was always part of the the goal of the series was to emphasize stuff like that. But it is there's some very interesting, almost fly on the wall type elements where yeah, you see certain interactions between drivers and. Uh, mechanics, and team uh, principals, f- phone conversations, yeah, between team principals and owners, um, things that is all well and good when you know Sky Sports or Fox Sports or F1 themselves stick a camera in front of a team principal and ask them questions, but to actually have that fly on the wall, even if it's one sided, you're hearing this phone conversation between a team principal and the team owner about what's happening in a race and. Um, you know the what that is going to lead to within the team yeah, and how and they're having that, that discussion. And, yeah. yeah, it's it is really interesting to see, along with those connections between the drivers and the mechanics. And you, you hear this on the team radio of like, "Oh, thank you guys so much. You've done an excellent job." That uh, sometimes I can get why people think that the drivers almost just say that because 
you know, they, they just to. do. <laughs> but when you actually see the interaction between them in, in this documentary, or if, if you want to call it a documentary, I guess it is. Yeah, but when you, when you see that interaction, you do start to see that those relationships and those words are very meaningful. Yeah, they're 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 a real thing. Those are not yeah. the, the, those are not like it sounds robotic on on camera and on the at the end of the race because they're absolutely knackered because they've been spending yeah. they've spent best part of two hours driving around at speeds approaching two hundred and fifty miles an hour sometimes and they're exhausted. The levels of G that, that have gone through their bodies to pull them through that is on another level. So you're gonna sound a little bit, you know, probably a little bit robotic and a bit shattered. Um, yeah. But yeah like you say to see when you when you sit when you watch this and you see like those actual real interactions between people then yeah it really really shows you like it made it made me love formula one it's making me love formula one even more man like it's and it's, it's making me really really pumped for the start of this season i'm going to be i feel like this year is just going to be such a good year because of this documentary you know the other thing as well um They've they've taken inspiration, I think, from something that Amazon were doing, and it's probably happened among other things as well. But I can exactly see where this has come from in terms of like the idea behind it and stuff, because there's series on um, Amazon called oh, it's escaping me, all or nothing. And it doesn't necessarily focus a sport, but they, they sort of change between different sports and different teams each year. Um, so it started out with American football, the NFL. It then moved into like the college version of football. Um, there's been one with Manchester City in the Premier League. Like there's been a number of different ones. And that is a very similar, gives you a very yeah, similar feel how- of the human element behind these huge sports teams and, and what they go through year on year in the course of a season and um i hope that this is not just a one-off and we maybe get one of these like every year if if possible even if it is retrospectively looking back at the previous season Mm. yeah well i know i know they are filming another season this year and um mercedes and ferrari are supposed to be more involved this year so they weren't very involved in they're not very involved in this season but next season they've agreed to uh to be more involved so we can look forward to seeing that but if you can't awesome. wait to see Mercedes and Ferrari and you're in Australia, you can watch episodes two and three for free at Fed Square this week in Melbourne. Um, I appreciate that Australia is a very big country and for some of the Australian listeners, it might be difficult <laughs> to get there. But if you're in Melbourne um, or if you're near Melbourne, then get yourself down to Fed Square on uh, what day is it starting? I think it's, it's Wednesday is the, uh, is the first thing. Um, so on Wednesday there is a um, there's an opening music act. Um, there's a welcome to the country and all these official pre- proceedings, and then there's a big driver presentation, and the drivers are going to come down like on a barge, um, and then walk down along the the um, the canal and into the Fed Square sort of arena space, if you like, um, where they'll be all on stage and everyone can get photos. Like everyone can get the ultimate driver photos and if you're very lucky you'll be able to get the ultimate f1 driver selfie as well because you will be one lucky fan is going to be selected to stand in front of the stage and um with all the f1 drivers there take themselves a selfie right with everyone else with every driver in it it would be sick that's that's the ultimate selfie yeah how cool is that so 
if you're in a, if you're in Melbourne or you're near Melbourne, get yourself down there. It's on Wednesday, the thirteenth of March, which is, um, I guess tomorrow if you're listening in Australia and it's uh, and it's the yeah f- and you listen to it as soon as we record as soon as we post yeah. um and there's another thing on Saturday this well there's you can watch quality and stuff on Saturday from down there as well um it starts at five for it's five thirty till late so actually I'm not sure you can watch quality because it'll be finished by then maybe but um yeah there's there's a thing that's there's stuff going on down there all week um it's going to be wicked get yourselves down there what's next to talk about then um going to do some little stats before so we're going to uh, th- i've got an I- we've got this idea for like these preview episodes like last year i fe- felt like we didn't really actually properly fully preview did we really <laughs> no you <laughs> mean much like, like- this week where we've spent 40 minutes talking about random things and not actually spoken properly about yeah. the Australian Grand Prix yeah. yet. <laughs> so we're going to do we're going to do a gesture uh, a, a preview an actual preview to the actual Australian Grand Prix and I'm going to start with some basic stats. Okay. Um, so it is the oh where are all my stats gone? There are 16 corners <laughs> on the Australian Grand Prix at, at, at Albert Park. Um it's 50 it should be 58 laps. Um, how many? What percentage of wins from pole would you say there are for this race? I'd say thirty-nine point one. Oh, you've opened up the page, you bugger. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, uh, we, we've had twelve winners. Um, the most successful team at this track is Ferrari with eight wins. The most successful driver was Michael Schumacher with four wins. Um. Last season, before we get into predictions, remember this. Last season, the fastest lap was Daniel Ricciardo. The pole, pole position was Lewis Hamilton. And the podium was Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, and, of course, Kimi Raikkonen. It was a Ferrari sandwich with a Hamilton filling in the middle. Yeah. Um, Ricciardo not too far behind those three as well. He was about yeah a second, half a second off Kimi at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. So, so storylines for uh for this uh for this race. Um we're gonna finally get to see who has the fastest car after testing and months and months of waiting, um, which I'm really excited about. We're gonna get an indication of how close the midfield battle is, and we're gonna find out who's gonna get first blood in that in that midfield battle. Um that I'm really excited for. Like yeah. really excited to see, you know, how that order shakes out and 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 where everyone ends up at the end of the first race. And I'm sure it'll be totally different at Bahrain as well, but you know, it's exciting. Um we'll get an indication of how well the cars can follow each other. Cause that's what this whole big rule change has been about, really, is like yeah. proof Australia's like a very difficult track to overtake at. So even if we get some overtaking that's going to be an indication of like you know that the level of success of these of these changes yeah i I wouldn't walk into this race expecting <laughs> three overtakes every lap and just constant action because no. it's not the circuit for it like you say but it will also help well it'll help us see if it puts drivers in a better position to make a move um because the whole problem for a number of years now has been not wanting to get too close to the guy ahead to be able to put yourself in a good overtaking position. Yeah, so exactly. It will definitely be interesting to see how well they can follow each other. Uh, yeah. 
So yeah. for that, so those so those are those are some storylines for you. Um, we're going to pick a team to watch, and I'm I, forgive me for rattling through these, but we're running short on time now. We've gone way over. Um, we're going to pick a team to watch and a driver to watch each. So Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you first. Sorry, mate. Oh, uh, Who is your team, team to watch? To watch. Um, I'm going to go with Racing Point to be honest, because I'm I'm still adamant that there's a little bit of something there that yeah. we've not seen from them yet. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see what Perez gets up to this weekend. It'll either be there was nothing to show, uh, and that's mm. why they didn't seem to be, you know, making headlines in testing, or it will be a reveal of something that they were keeping well under wraps. But I'm going to keep my eye on them for that reason. Mm, that's good. And um, my team to watch, who am I going to have for a team to watch? I think I've got a couple, like, uh, obviously it's the start of the season and there's so much we took so much from testing there's so much there's so many sort of small indications of this that and the other there's a lot of sort of competition between new teammates and stuff like that i think my boring answer i've got two answers i've got a boring answer and a slightly more <laughs> interesting one the boring one is ferrari because i'm interested to see how their two drivers compete with each other um and i'm interested to see if you know if that car really does have the goods and if it is as good as what it looked in testing because it did look really good in testing um my boring one is sorry my interesting one my more interesting one is probably alfa romeo because they weren't really anywhere at the start of last season and they sort of developed through the season and made a really 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 great car as the season went on so like this car did look good to me in testing and i want to see if that is going to come true and I want to see if they can develop it into something over a season as well. But this is going to be the first indication of like where they are in the order, and that's what I'm interested in. Um, how, do you have a driver to watch, Tom? Um, I think Charles Leclerc, yeah. specifically. Um, going back to your sort of headlines, I think here we will start to see how well he does stack up against these multiple world champions now he's in yeah similar machinery we've seen him outclass people in that sort of midfield to back of the grid kind of competition so yeah here's his proving ground as of this weekend is how well he handles that yeah and even even in a couple of races towards the end of last season he was sort of snapping at the heels of uh, Vettel wasn't he was it Abu Dhabi where he yeah. over, actually overtook Vettel at the start of the race um yeah, if he can, I mean, if he can overtake Vettel in a in a in an Alpha at the end of last season, then <laughs> you know anything can happen when they're in the same car, can't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, my driver to watch. I am going to be slightly less boring this time. I'm going to. All right, I'm going to be. I'm going to do two again because Chris isn't here and would normally do one each. <laughs> That's my <laughs> way of justifying it. Um, my first driver to watch is going to be George Russell because he's in the Williams and no one's expecting the Williams to be anywhere, especially Chris from the look of his predictions. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to see what he can do with that car and how he can compete against his, uh, his, his teammate. Um, and also I'm really keen to see what Lando Norris does as well. Just, uh, and the reason I picked both of them is because there's, there was such hype around them both last year. And when they were in F3, it was re- they were both really exciting to watch. So they've both sort of come up through through the ranks together. And obviously uh, Lando Norris has got a bit of an advantage over Russell because he's 
he's in a better car. Let's let's not dance around that. But it's still going to be exciting to watch them both like find their feet in Formula One and and you know compete with the other drivers around them. And you know you never know. Russell might George Russell might find something that Williams might have something in that car that's you know that that's going to get them somewhere. By yeah. the time they get to Australia, they've had to take stuff off the car because other teams have deemed it illegal. So they're obviously pushing the envelope. So let's see. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Cool. Shall we do some predictions? I was about to say, it leads us nicely into predictions, doesn't it? It does, so, doesn't it? It's yeah. good. That's why, yeah, see, see, there's, there's thought goes into this. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Chris, with him not being here, has already sent me his predictions. So I've dropped those in. So for each sector, hey, sector, that's a good terminology for them, isn't it? For each sector, I will give Chris's and then me and you can throw ours in, I guess. Um, Seems an easy way to do it. So the first thing for predictions this week is the fastest person in Q3 before penalties. And we specify this because pole doesn't mean pole anymore in F1. So it's basically it's whoever is fastest at the end of Q3 before any penalties are applied. So who yeah. gets that ultimate fastest time? Uh, Chris has gone with Sebastian Vettel. I have decided to really throw it out there and go Charles Leclerc this week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, that is them. so... That's huge, Tom. That is yeah. huge, mate. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, I am going to be boring as anything because every point counts, and I'm going to say Hamilton. I'm going to do what everyone okay. did last year, and I'm going to carry on that that um <laughs> that lineage today okay so the next one is the winner of the race chris has maybe had similar thoughts to me and gone charles leclerc so he's seen a win also there. huge also huge who, do, who are you going with those two um my winner of this race i think the look the mercedes look bulletproof um they're all basically on really reliable engines at this point so i can't see there being a million retirements i think there's going to be a few front wings lost but i think because hamilton's starting on pole and because 39% of uh, pole sitters win this race i'm going to say hamilton <laughs> okay well I'm, i might shock you i might not i'm also going with charles leclerc on this one with chris mm. so yeah. Also huge. This is, oh man, I'm either going to lose loads of points against you both or I'm going to thrash you both this week. Yeah, this, this is my, the, the thing is with the first race of the season, especially because we do these predictions so far in advance, the listenership has the opportunity to maybe have a look at practice and, and stuff like that. So depending on when they submit them, obviously. So yeah. I feel that this is the first race of the season without any real data. So it's it's a bit of a punt. So I'm going for like sort of out there choices is how I'm seeing it until I've got some tangible data that I can <laughs> make predictions on. <laughs> so uh, first DNF anyway is the next one. Chris has gone with Kimi Raikkonen, interestingly, mm, in his first race for uh, Alpha. Not very optimistic of Chris, it's not, is it? It's not. I can think of a few people who won't like that, that uh that prediction. Well, I could think of a few people that won't like mine because <gasps> I no, said, you've... "Yeah, you see me typing it. It's Robert Kubica." Ah, oh, I was going to say Kubica. Now I'm not. I'd refuse to say the same as either of you. So, um, rookies, rookies, rookies. Alexander Albon. Mm, I'm going to say Albon. 
Okay. Um, number of finishes is the next one we go for. Chris is going for what it was usually a safe number last year in 17. How about yourself? Um, I am going to go. It's the first race of the season. There, there's some big old wings on these cars. There's going to be a few punctures. There's going to be a few uh, early pit stops. It's going to be turn one could be pretty chaotic. So I am going to say 16 finishes, 16. Which, which was my usual last season as well. And it served me well all last season. Yeah, so. 16, 17 is usually a good place to be. Um, mm. Hence, I'm going 17. So I've agreed with Chris nice. on a couple You've got here. two. You've got two that you're the same. same. Chris. I should have really oh. looked at his before I submitted mine <laughs> instead yeah, of should. doing it blindly. But oh well. <laughs> Uh, and the last one for this week is our random driver to, to predict the finishing position of a driver chosen at random from the 20 on the grid. Chris pulled this one out of the hat earlier before he went on a holiday, and it is George Russell, who he has said he thinks will finish 18th. Um, so that's the last of the DNFs if he thinks there's mm. 17 finishes. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's a DNF. That's a DNF. If you yeah, sorry. I mean, the last finish. of the DNFs. As in oh, right. Two okay, people yeah. were DNF. Then oh, George the was second DNF. Person. And then. Yeah. 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 Because that's how this works. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, who's. Is it me? Oh, it's, me to, it's me to go first. Isn't you, it? I think, isn't it? I've, I've got him down as 17th. So I think he will 17th. be like last on the road, but he will finish. Mm. Uh, I don't think he will finish. Um, I mm. think, and I've got 16 finishes. So I'm going to say, I'm actually going to say 17th as well. You're going to say 17, same as me. Okay. So that is that. Um, I think the car will fail on him. I think it's not had enough run in that car. That's kind of why I've gone Kubica, because he's had less time in the car and the car's not had much time on track generally. So... That that was my thoughts there. Similar, yeah. You know what? I suppose doing this by proxy, it does constitute a preview, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. When we justify <laughs> our picks, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so if if yeah. anyone else out there wants to join in along with everybody that joined in last year, we'd love to have you back if you did it last year, or if you're new to the show, join in. Um, all you have to do is go to backofthegrid.com, and the submission is now live. If you've not already registered. Just create an account and then you can sign in and do your predictions. And there's a leaderboard throughout the season to keep track of where you're up to against us and against everybody else participating. Um, There is a prize if anyone manages to get a full five out of five across the board in a week. And then there is a little trophy for an and prize, in fact, for the winner at the end of the season as well. So there is also the Fantasy League which we have yes. set up. A number of you have already joined that. I was surprised to see uh, earlier how many people yeah, are already in people. it. Yeah, so there's there's a good old 23 entrants in there because we've not said much about it. That's, I'm, I'm yeah, impressed. Yeah, so <laughs> defi- yeah, definitely joining our league on that. Um, and obviously it's the start of the season, so now's the best time to join. Um, we've got some really good team names in there at the moment. Um, some of them we can read out, others we can't. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm dubious about reading one or two of them yeah, out. It's yeah, yeah. so very good um, puns, but whether they're suitable yeah. for, to go on air is another matter. <laughs> yeah. um, Ma- Maldonado School of Speed is my one of my personal favourites. I also like Hammy Time or Hamel yeah. Time. That's good. Valtteri It's James is another good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so keep keep your creative uh, team named F1 fantasy teams coming in. Yeah. Um, um, shall we do some in box, box, box? Yeah, we can round out the show with some in box, box, box. Um, shall we? Do you want to take? Shall we take turns on these? We'll, we'll alternate as per. Yeah, do you want to go first or second? I'll I'll go first. I'll go okay, first. I'll do. It. Okay. Um, so, George Coleman says, if you were to have a sitcom <laughs> sitcom with four drivers, past and present, who would you have? Personally, I'd have Senna, Schumacher, Prost, and Maldonado, with Pasta constantly giving. The other three racing advice. <laughs> I love this one. That's a cool fantasy. Um, <laughs> uh, there needs to be some sort of catchphrase for like when Pasta tries to give out advice and the other three are like, so, just some catchphrase. It's yeah. like, show oh, Pasta. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, Pasta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I d- yeah, you've kind of done our job for us there, George. I don't think I can, I can beat that. Because I suppose there's only so many Formula One drivers that you can, or world champions at least, that you could throw in there. Um, I think if it was sitcom based, then do they have to be champions, or can they be regular drivers? No, because it's, it's drivers past and present. Maldonado's not a champion, is he? That's true. That is true. So mine, well, mine could... would be along the lines of, and this is purely based on how much they've entertained me over the years. Um, Jensen Button. Daniel Ricardo, uh, James Hunt in his heyday, and oh, another one. Um, do you know what Nico Rosberg? And the reason being because if you ever watch old, um, you know when they do the driver press conferences on the Thursday. Um, yeah. If you ever go look up some old footage of that on like YouTube or anything, there's some brilliant videos of both Lewis and Sebastian winding Nico up and just getting like getting him to bite. So Jensen, um James Hunt and Daniel Ricardo basically just constantly winding up Nico Rosberg. Done. Right. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna cheat. Oh god. I I want a I want it to be a bit like Jersey Shore or um is that a sitcom? Uh, well, to me it is, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's like the Big Brother house or something like that, and it's a revolving door of uh, Formula One drivers who get voted in and out. Oh, that'd be interesting, yeah. Yeah. And um, so rivalries build between them and things happen to them. and It'd be like Survivor where people start teaming up to get yeah. somebody else maybe it's like, out. It's like, it's like Love Island, but with Formula yeah. One drivers. That's... <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's so- such weird maybe it, like the, the the newer the new the new people can sometimes be team principals <laughs> stuff, and it's who 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 can court the uh, the team principal for who a drive. Get themselves into like, a drive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that idea. Oh, um, this could get uh, really weird really fast. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I think we need to end that one there before it gets dark. Okay, I'll I'll move on to the next thing in inbox box box. It's uh, David Sinnott who says, "Will Kimmy get a podium this year?" Yes, I think he will. I think that you know those like sneaky old school Force India podiums that like Perez used to pick up, um, yeah. and and the Sauber's done it as well. I think Perez himself did it in the Sauber when he was there. Yeah, he so did. he's second place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got the win. So I think Kimmy's with his talent, is capable of getting that car into one of those positions. Um, so, yes, I agree. I think we will see one this year at some point. Mm. 
There we go. We're in agreement. Yeah. Um, Paul Kelsall says, so there is talk of this extra point for fastest lap, but only if you finish in the top 10. Why not everyone? And do you agree with it? Do you think there should be points for other things, i.e. fastest pit stop, so it gives the lesser teams extra points to fight for? Well, Paul, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called the DHL fastest lap competition and the DHL fastest pit stop competition. <laughs> it's the one they're all going for. And they get point. They do get points every everyone for that, and obviously no one cares. Um, the in terms of, I mean, we've covered the we've covered the the top ten thing. The, yeah, can see, I can see why it's restricted to the top ten based on yeah the way that it works in both other series and like we discussed, like it's to stop people that you know potentially might be about to retire a car just sticking on some fresh tires and mm. literally running it into the ground going for a fastest lap point. Um, yeah, I think in terms of like fastest pit stop, maybe that maybe there is something in that. Maybe I, I, I don't know. Like the pit stops are super dangerous, so I think they'd struggle to get away with yeah with awarding a point for the people who do it the fastest because I think it, they're already trimming so much time off to them for a point in the mix and get the teams uh, points for doing that. Then I think that could be sketchy. Here, here's the thing: Do we know if the fastest lap point will attribute to the constructors' championship or not? Because in the other oh. series that do it, not many of them have a constructors' championship the way that we do in F1. Hmm. That is true. Well, Formula E do, don't they? Formula E do, but some of the other series don't. So it, I'd just be interested to see how that point is going to work. Mm. I, I need to double check. But um, if, for example, it is a driver's standing only point because it's based on them setting a fastest lap, it would be interesting to see something that's a constructor's only but point that, in some way. That would never be the case because if you finish 10th, you get a point. So you'd get two points if you got the fastest lap and finish 10th, wouldn't you? No, but sorry, what I mean is if that one point, that one extra point only applies to the driver's standings and not the constructor's standings. I'd assume it's got to go on both because it's going to get complicated if it doesn't, isn't it? Yeah, I would assume that it would go to both. Yeah. Because usually the team's points are based on the two driver's collective points. Yeah, exactly. So it's just the calculation of the two drivers' points. And any deductions, if there is any, usually apply to both stand-ins as well, unless it's exceptional circumstances. Mm. So, hmm. Um, Uh, Yeah, next one. Anyway. Yeah, next one. Uh, Craig Mitchell says, does anyone know what's happened to Ted yet? It's probably out there, but I can't be bothered to look. (laughs) Yeah. Rumour has it that he actually didn't have his contract renewed. But then at the last minute, the new guy who's the boss at Sky changed his mind and gave him um, a contract. And it almost seems as though it happened after all the Twitter bullshit that um, everyone was kicking off because they'd not seen him. It did seem very weird for him not to be at testing. Um, maybe he didn't have a contract in place at that point, but he, I am told that he will be back. Yeah, and for those who don't know what we're talking about um there is a gentleman by the name of ted kravitz who is a very good technical analyst i'd call him probably for british coverage here it probably appears on the world feeds from time to time yeah he's on the he's, he's on the yeah he's on the world feeds a lot yeah so depending on how you watch your coverage you've probably come across him at some point but um yeah he wasn't at testing which is what started all this but 
personally, I just made an assumption that he'd like, you know, something with family. Probably really. that he booked off, yeah. Yeah, yeah or, you know, just had some time to himself for a change. So, um, But yeah, it sounds like he'll be back. So that is the answer to that. Cool. Um, that's life. Say, only one season prediction from us. In the in the Bot G Prediction League, Chris, aka the Seaman, will finish lowest of the three hosts. That is savage. And he's not even here to defend himself. <laughs> nope. I can't believe I ended up having to read that one out. I feel so harsh. Oh, no. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, well, we'll leave that one there. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that one. Um, oh, Malik has made a reference back to um, a discussion last week where he'd sent in a comment saying, Am I the Nyao guy from. Um, USA last year. USA. No, I am not. Is still my answer there. But he's referenced the original episode, saying it was the first ever episode we put out um, officially, which was the testing roundup and the livery chat from 2017. And apparently, it's like only a minute and fifteen seconds in. So if you want to hear it, you can go listen. Um, oh wow! <laughs> I listened to it earlier, and I can see I can see his logic. <laughs> but please be warned: the sound quality levels are not what they now are in that very first episode we put out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so brace yourselves. Am I even? Am I in that one? You are. We introduced. That's the episode actually? we introduced you. Oh, because God, Chris I, and don't, I don't go back and don't just don't go back <laughs> and listen to all the episodes, yeah. especially if I'm in them. Please, <laughs> Chris and I had covered a little bit of Formula E just to test the water at that oh, point and that was the first nice. proper f1 episode with you on board wow and look at us now and look at us um, now there's an email oh yes there is it's from what is now the karun chandok remark nightmare formerly the john delatraz racing experience i will just get right. it right oh and, that uh, sounds disconcerting um <laughs> I've not actually read this yet. I've just noted down that we've received oh, it. So no. here we go. Oh, <laughs> Who is your favourite Virgin slash Marussia pair driver? Personally, mine is Charles Peake because of his here. extremely punchable face and looking so small that I might be able to throw him further than Ferrari throws away advertising contracts with certain manu- uh, with <laughs> certain brands. I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, <don't. laughs> I would be shocked in any other sport if they tried to pass along the the product was somehow disconnected from tobacco, but this is F1, a sport built around the money of these billionaires <laughs> competing to see who can lose money the fastest. Um, Yeah, my favourite Marussia pair driver is Timo Glock, just because I liked Timo Glock before he was a Marussia pair driver. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... Am I, I don't know, I don't think I've got a favourite. Am I supposed to come up with a favourite Marussia pay driver? I think so. There was a question in there of who is your favourite I just get so lost in his emails that like I can't I sometimes just cannot pick the question out of them. Um <laughs> I don't I, I could I, I don't have a list of uh, Marussia drivers in front of me. Who who drove for him? Max Chilton, Chilton Timo Glock. He was decent. He's doing all right um, in NASCAR. Chilton, uh, in IndyCar. Trying to think who else would be considered. To be fair, Timo Glock was any Russian drivers. Uh, I can't. I'm trying to think if any of them find himself in a Marussia at any point. No, I don't think so. Um, He was in a Renault or a Lotus, wasn't he? Alexander Rossi was in it at one point, only briefly. Scott Scott Speed. No, no, they're not that old. Um, Will Stevens. Will Stevens. That's what I'm thinking of. Will Stevens and Roberto Mary. He was my favourite pay driver. Give it to the Brit. Why not? Oh, I don't know. I don't, before we go any further with that, where, why why is he calling himself now calling himself the Karun Chanduk remark nightmare? Uh, I think 
Karun maybe tweeted something that people didn't like. Didn't like. I think. Okay, let's leave it there then. Yeah, because we like Karun Chanduk. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, I don't know what it was. Um, yeah. yeah, there was another email. I think that's what, uh, which was from uh, Narayan Hamari. It says, um, "Hi guys, very excited about the 2019 season uh, to start. Nearly everything I hoped for in terms of drivers has turned into reality." Uh, specifically Ricardo, Raikkonen and Kibitza. Uh, as for the cars themselves, I appreciate the livery change of the new Haas, but it needs more gold. Um, it does. And honestly, I've been a little sceptical of the Haas driver lineup for the last couple of seasons. I can't help but wonder how the next chapter will look. Surely by now the car has proven fast enough to appeal to quicker drivers. Um, and there mm. are some interesting stories in F1 when teams retain drivers, even when it doesn't seem to make sense to do so. What are your thoughts and predictions on the magnuson Grosjean pairing going forward? Goodness, that's a big question to end on. Um, (laughs) Oh, Magnussen's got a lot of work to... I think it's a bit of a make-or-break season for Magnussen because his his, his career seems to have sort of gone into a bit of a cul-de-sac to me. I don't know. Do you think what do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I I've taken a little bit of a punt on him actually because the have the you? car's been okay the last year or two. He's seems to have got a little better um now he's got himself settled within a team. So I'm hoping this is where he really like finds himself as a, a competitive driver in that midfield. Um and I've taken a punt on him and put him into my fantasy team to, for the start of the season. Ooh, so that is probably going to end in tears in turn one. Is that because you run out of budget or is it was it a genuine choice? Um, it was after fiddling around with the numbers a little bit. He was It was somebody I wanted to try and put in there just because he was round and about a good point for that mid, midfield, I think. But obviously yeah. if he starts having his uh, crashy, crashy issues, then... He'll be getting taken straight out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Grosjean. Gro- so Grosjean needs to pick up where he left off at the end of last season because he his start of his season last year was pretty uh, not great. And he there was a you know the, he crashed all by himself in Baku. He had that incident in Spain where he's just planted his foot and spun the car around and yeah. nearly killed everyone. Um, there was. A few early doors where he, yeah, it just took him a while to get his head into it. So he, he really, really doesn't need another. He, he was very close to losing his drive last year, I think. And if he has another season like that, then he will lose his drive. So he definitely needs to book his idea. Magnussen probably less so, but um, still an interesting rivalry. I think in terms of the team, also a make or break year for them. Um, they're getting a lot less. Uh, support from Ferrari now because well they're probably getting I wouldn't say less support than they were before but Ferrari are giving more even more support to uh to Alfa Romeo. Yeah, so, exactly. They've they've got a stronger rival now in what was Sauber and is now Alfa Romeo because of that Ferrari connection like you say. So it'd be interesting to see how they stand up against the Alphas. Yeah, so many great storylines just waiting to unfold right in front of us. Um, and you can keep track of those storylines all season long by listening to our podcast. Um, if you like it, you can like, share and subscribe it. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1. We're on Facebook. Um, if you just search for Back of the Grid, 
Instagram at Back of the Grid, and we have the website backofthegrid.com where you can submit your predictions. Don't forget to submit your predictions. It's the 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 lines close just before qualifying. Yep, is that right? That is yeah. exactly right. Um, and I think unless you've got anything else to add, Tom, I think that is it for this week. Yeah, that is it for this week. So enjoy the start of the season, everyone, and I guess we'll yeah, catch you the... after Australia. Yes, it'll be another Tom and Stu episode. Tom and Stu episode, everyone. <laughs> Woo! Woo! This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more.